Uh, you know, technology is amazing. We have these self-driving cars. Does anyone in this room have a Tesla that is self-driving? Oh, that's amazing. I see that hand back there, Laura Holland. That's pretty cool. Um, it's like we are almost in the age of the Jetsons. It's pretty amazing. We have these watches like James Bond, self-driving cars. But the only thing about technology, or one of the things that's really concerning, though, is that we've been so conditioned now for instant gratification. Like, the way, the, how long we're willing to wait for things has really shrunk down. I don't know about you, but like, you know, I remember way, way back in the days when we watched a TV show and you had to wait like a whole week for the next episode. Do you, do you remember that way back in the day? Now it's like, no way, man. I want to watch it on Netflix. I don't want my Netflix to buffer. Like it's got to be right there, right? Right? If it buffers, it's like, what is wrong with my internet? And you call and complain. And then it's like, I don't want to wait for a whole week to go by before I watch my next show. I want to binge watch a whole season, right? So Netflix knows that, so now they release like a whole season at once so we can binge watch it all. Because we, we don't want to wait. We've been so conditioned for instant gratification. And I think what's tough about that is that we don't think enough about how tomorrow matters. We're so conditioned to just think about what is going on right now. And we can see this plays out in how we take care of our bodies, that we're so conditioned to not think about tomorrow, how we invest into relationships with our kids, with others, and honestly, how many of us deal with money is that we're not thinking about tomorrow. We're just thinking about right now, today. But tomorrow matters. And when we recognize that tomorrow matters, it will change the way we live today. When we recognize that tomorrow matters, it will change the way we live today. Amen? Thank you. When we recognize that tomorrow matter, matters, it will change the way that we handle our money today. When we recognize that tomorrow matters, it will change the way that we invest in the lives of our children and parent them today. When we recognize that tomorrow matters, it will change the way we live today. See, if we don't recognize that tomorrow matters, we'll begin to make some unhealthy assumptions. Three of the most dangerous words that I think you and I can say is, I just assumed. Have you ever done that? Well, I just assumed. And not only those words can ruin a relationship, they can ruin a, a business opportunity. Well, I just assumed this was a trustworthy person to go into business with. I just assumed that my contractor would finish my barn when they told me it would. You know, I just assumed these things. <coughs> and, and we can get into trouble because we assume things and then we, we, don't, we don't know. I just assumed that fill in the blank. This happens all the times with relationships, with friendships. You know, well, I didn't check in to see how this person actually felt about me and what was going on. I just assumed they felt this way. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I started to get a kind of a root of bitterness because I assumed that they felt this way about me and, and that dictated my actions. <coughs> Excuse me. I love what Stephen Furtick, he's a pastor down south, <coughs> he says this, assumption is the vulnerability of ignorance masked by the illusion of certainty. Assumption is the vulnerability of ignorance masked by the illusion of certainty. And uh, Stephen Furtick goes on to say, there's three reasons that we 
start to assume, and they all start with A, because pastors, that's what we do in the middle of our week, is we make sure everything starts the same letter while you're doing your real jobs. So here's three reasons for assuming. Number one, (coughs) apprehension. You can write that down. Apprehension. When I assume, it gives me this illusion of certainty. See, we don't like this feeling of ignorance. We get a little apprehensive about it. And so what we do is we oftentimes make up a story in our head to make sense of the facts of that. Brene Brown has a great uh, TED Talk about that. I heard you check it out on YouTube sometime about how we oftentimes will fill in a story because we don't know all the facts and we don't like this feeling of not knowing what's going on. And so we make some assumptions. And then we have this illusion of certainty because of our assumptions. Number two, uh, apathy. Honestly, sometimes we just don't care enough to find out why that person did what they did. I don't care enough to do the hard work to ask the question behind the question of saying, you know, okay, well, help me understand. Why, why did you act this way? Why did you do this? It's a lot easier to assume than to ask. It's a lot easier to assume you understand their actions instead of asking, hey, help me understand. Why did you do this? We see this in our marriages. (coughs) We see this all the time in business relationships with friendships. (coughs) Number three, uh, arrogance. Let's be honest. It's simply arrogant to think that the way that you see the world is the same way that everyone sees the world. I've been getting into the Enneagram. Uh, Anyone else listen to Enneagram or Typology? Yeah, it's a great podcast. Um, and there's a great book called uh, uh, Finding Your Way Back to You, I think it's called, by Ian Crone. And basically it says that we all see the world differently. And there's nine basic types. And it's, it's nine different lenses on how we see the world. And it's very fascinating. Uh, even in this, there's different numbers. And uh, so a four is very poetic, tied into their, their uh, feelings. A two wants to help others. So even in this conversation, they're, they're saying how... Uh, Excuse me. Uh, someone read a poem on, on the podcast, and the four was able to just really connect <coughs> with the poetry and like lose themselves in there. And the two was thinking, "Wow, this is a great poem. Who do I need to share this with?" And just very interesting how we all process information differently and we see the world differently. But the reality is it's arrogant to just assume that everyone sees the world that you do, that everyone has the same background that you do. <coughs> Thanks. What is this? Coffee. Coffee or tea? Coffee? Oh, that's right. Thanks. <laughs> Let's work on that hospitality. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Sorry. Uh, those are three reasons why we make assumptions. You know, some things it's not a big deal if you assume. You know, if you go to a new restaurant and you're like, ah, I assume it's going to be good food and it's not, you're not really out too much. You know, if you assume when you go to Chipotle and you try their queso, it's going to be really, really good because everything at Chipotle is amazing. And you're like, oh, the queso is not good. What is wrong with you, Chipotle? You're let down, but really you're not losing too much. <coughs> right? Or we have any Vikings fans in here? Vikings are 9-2. and two. Yeah. Awesome, but if we just assume because the Vikings are 9-2, they're going to go to the Super Bowl, 
we're going to be let down because <laughs> that's what the Vikings do to us. They let us down. You know, if we assume the Packers are down for the count because Aaron Rodgers is hurt, we're going to be let down probably. However, there are other things. If we make assumptions, they can be a big deal. <coughs> Husbands, if we assume that our wives know that we love them, uh, that is not a good assumption. We need to not only tell them that. It's like, well, I told them once. What's the big deal? I know they know. No, we got to tell them that again and again. We can't just assume they understand that. We have to show them that we love them. We can't just assume our kids are doing okay. We have to do the hard work to say, how is your heart getting to know our kids? We, we can't just assume their friends are pouring into them and are good friendships. We have to know that the, the, their friends and their families are good uh, for them. We can't just assume things. We can't just assume that the people working for us know they're doing a good job. They may feel like they're failing. We need to tell them that. There's some things that's not healthy to assume. And Jesus, when he came, one of the things that he did was he confronted people's assumptions. <coughs> See, people had all these assumptions about, about who God was. They had all these assumptions on who was in and who was out. Uh, what the kingdom of God was like. They had these assumptions on, on what measuring stick that God used. And Jesus came and he blew up their assumptions. And because of that, they killed him on a cross. <coughs> uh, because he confronted their assumptions. <coughs> this is going to be a fun podcast to listen to. Thank you, Matt. I hear that. I got more cough drops. They're not working. Hot beverage. All right. There we go. Uh, this morning, though, I want to dive into a parable of Jesus. It's going to confront some of the assumptions that we make. It's in Matthew 25. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. You can find it on your smartphone. <coughs> the scriptures will also be here behind me. It's known as the parable of the talents. It also be called the parable of the servants. And when you're reading this, it's important to remember a talent is not like an ability uh, that's, that like, you're born with. A talent is actually a measure of money. Think a bag of gold. And Jesus is talking about what the kingdom of God is like, and he's going to confront some assumptions and start talking about how do we live knowing that tomorrow matters. Let's read <coughs> Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. Actually, Kristen, you want to come up and read today's scripture for us? Yes. Give Kristen a hand. I think it's on. Boom. Hi. <coughs> 14. 14 through 30, through 30. please. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. 
And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you have delivered to me five talents, and here I have made five talents more. What am I going to? Sorry. 30. Thank you. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful <coughs> servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you. Give her a hand. <laughs> Jesus is going to confront some assumptions here. So you can't just assume that your assumption of God is accurate, that your views of God are accurate. And Jesus is confronting some assumptions that people had. Look in verse 24, the servant who was given the one talent. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. <coughs> so I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. The servant is making some assumptions about his master. But you know what? They weren't necessarily the reality. See, when you plant the seed of assumption in the soil of ignorance, you're going to reap a harvest of confusion. When you plant the seed of assumption in the soil of ignorance, you will reap a harvest of confusion. When you aren't operating by knowledge, by assumptions, it's going to get you into trouble. You're going to have a false view of God. Look at the key verse before. <coughs> what does the master say to his servant? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of my master. What a terrible boss, right? Sounds like a terrible guy to work for. No. But does the, the master described in verse 23 sound anything like the master described in 24 by the servant who had hid his bag of gold in the ground? No, they had two different views of their master. See, sometimes the root of assumption is just secondhand information. <coughs> sometimes we assume things about others. We assume things about God because what we have been told. You've got to be careful who is representing God to you. Some of us were taught things about God maybe growing up that just simply aren't true. Maybe you grew up thinking God was this cosmic killjoy just waiting to strike you down anytime you mess up. So you made some assumptions about God and you said, you know what, I don't even want to listen to that guy. And so you walked away from church because you said, that church is just filled with a bunch of hypocrites and they aren't living the, the way that, that, that God tells them to live and, and God is just out to get me, so what's, what's the use? And maybe now you've come back to church. But you need to confront those assumptions that you heard from other people to dive into God's word for yourself and discover what is God really like. <coughs> so how do we get beyond this secondhand information to really learn who God is? We look to Jesus. 
This season is about Jesus coming to show us what God is really like. Jesus is God revealed to mankind. This morning, I want to talk about six assumptions that we make and that Jesus confronts in this parable. Number one, if you're taking notes, the ability assumption. The ability assumption. Verse 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. <coughs> to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The master gave according to each servant's ability. For the longest time, the way I looked at this story was that there are some of us who are five-talent people, some of us are two-talent people, and then there's some of us who are just one-talent people. And that's just the way that God made us, and that's just who we are, and that's, that's just the way it is. And I just assume that, you know, uh, okay, you know, if God made me to be a two-talent preacher, that's, that's just the way it is. I wish I could be a five-talent preacher like, like Stephen Furtick or Francis Chan or Tim Keller, but you know what? God didn't create me that way. I'm just a two-talent pastor. That's, that's, that's all there is to it. The reality is I was so concerned about what I had today that I wasn't thinking about tomorrow. But when we understand that tomorrow matters, we can make some changes today that will determine how our tomorrow looks. Amen? Here's what I've come to understand by God's wisdom and grace as I've looked at this more. Do you know we have the ability to grow our abilities? We have the ability to grow our abilities. Guys, you don't understand how terrible my first sermon was. My dad was there. It was awful. It was terrible. And so I could have said, you know what? I'm just a one-talent pastor. I, I don't have that ability. I'm done. But instead, I realized, you know what? I could study. I could train. I could read books. I could be a youth pastor and preach weekly to a group of middle school and high school students who then had to suffer through all my terrible sermons. So I could start growing my abilities. And, and we could move from where we are and, and get better. And the thing is, we never arrive. I'm continually trying to grow and improve as a pastor and a preacher. We can keep improving. <laughs> Personally, I'm not a big fan of Tom Brady. I'm sorry if you're a Patriots fan. I just, I hate the Patriots. I just got to be honest. Um, but you know what? I'm so impressed that at age 40, which is just crazy. I'm 38. I can't imagine playing football still. At age 40, Tom Brady probably is going to be the league MVP. He was drafted 199th, which meant 198 people were thought to be a better football player than him. He's probably going to be the most valuable player now at age 40 because he constantly tries to get better. Even after five Super Bowl championships, he's never said, all right, I've learned all there is to learn about football. He's continually trying to get better. He went from a one-talent guy who was drafted in the sixth round to maybe the best quarterback to ever play the game. He's a five-talent guy now because he's been working on his abilities. See, God wants to entrust you with his wealth, with his opportunities, but how much you have comes down to how much you can handle. He's not going to give you more than you can handle. He's not going to give me more than I can handle. And how much we can handle comes down to how much we want to grow in the abilities that God has given you. Amen? You can grow. You can get smarter. You can read books. You can get a mentor. You can get better. Tomorrow matters. When you recognize that tomorrow matters, it will change the way that we live today. We'll look for ways to grow our abilities. Maybe you've been praying for an opportunity to open up in a relationship or a business opportunity or a ministry opportunity, but God is waiting for you to grow your abilities. 
Because here's the reality. Once that opportunity comes, it's too late. It's too late then to start growing our abilities. But if we prepare now the opportunities that God wants to bring us tomorrow, then we will be ready for what God wants to bring us tomorrow. Number two, the significance assumption. I thought a lot about the one-talent servant. For the longest time, I felt like a one-talent guy. And I just picture him saying, like, you know, in the first guy gets the five, he's like, oh, all right, yeah, okay. Next guy gets the two, he's like, oh, all right, I guess I'm going to get two. And then he gets only one. It's like, thanks a lot for that. Here, I'll tell you what you can do with your one talent. Like, you know, like maybe, I don't know. Maybe he's a little offended to only get the one talent when his master was handing out bags of gold. Maybe he felt a little slighted. Maybe he didn't feel like it was significant compared to what his master had entrusted to the one servant with five or even the one servant with two. The story is three servants, but really it's two servants and one slave. See, the servants knew the heart of their master, but the slave was imprisoned by his assumptions. Here's what I learned as I studied this. I'm like, well, what is a talent, really? Because I don't really know. A talent is about 75 pounds of gold. Uh, today's gold prices, which fluctuate, I know, but roughly that's $38 per gram. Uh, one talent would equal $1.25 million. That's a lot, right? A little different perspective now. Even the guy who got the least got a lot. He was entrusted with a million dollars to manage. That's a significant amount of money he's entrusted with. Even those of us who get the least, the reality is we get a lot. If you feel like a one-talent person, I want you to know you've been given a lot. If you have breath, you've been given a lot. If you have a roof over your head, you've been given a lot. If you have a job, you've been given a lot. Stop complaining about what is not and start working what you got. Amen? You might say, I don't have any good talents. I can't sing. I can't preach. I can't grow a business. I can't do all these things. All I can do is listen to someone. I'm a good listener. That one ability to listen to someone could prevent someone from committing suicide. There are no insignificant people in the kingdom of God. Even if you've been given what you think is a small talent, it is still significant. Amen? Number three, the safety assumption. The servant who was handed $1.25 million, which is quite a lot, he was worried about letting his master down. He was worried about failing. I think like so many of us have felt that same feeling. So he did what he thought was the safe thing to do. He hid his master's money in the ground. He said, I don't want to risk it and lose it all, so I'm just going to do the safe thing and hide it away. But you know what Jesus is telling us? You know what he's confronting one of our assumptions? We think that's the safe thing, but Jesus is telling us there is great danger in playing it safe. Not putting God first in your finances is dangerous. Not putting God first in your relationship with your spouse is dangerous. Not putting God first in how you manage your calendar and how busy you are is dangerous. See, the greatest danger is not that you and I would fail, but that we would be faithless with what God has given us. I think the servant would have been better to come to his master and said, Master, I tried. I did my best, but I lost it all. But the master could not tolerate spirit of safety. Personally, I'd rather get to the end of my life and report my failures to God than to say that I was faithless or that I was lazy or that I just took the safe way out. I'd rather tell God, God, when I was in college, I really tried to help plant a church in Rogers, Minnesota, and it kind of worked out and it kind of failed. 
Then I went to Colorado and I helped plant a church there and it's doing really well. Then I went to Wisconsin and helped plant a church there and that crashed and burned and that was terrible. And now I'm here in Maple Grove and I'm trying to plant a church to impact hundreds of people to know the grace and love of Christ. And I don't know how it's going to work out, God. But I'd much rather try and I'd much rather fail trying to multiply what God has given me than to hear I'm a lazy, slothful, wicked servant. That servant hid his talent in the ground. I wonder, in our church, in our community, what talents are hidden in the ground? What have you buried? (laughs) Dig it up. It is not too late. The master has not come back yet. There is time. Even if you buried your talent up until this time, you can dig it up. You can still have hope. You have potential. Amen? When you recognize that tomorrow matters, it will change the way that we live today. Number four, the urgency assumption. See, the servant who buried his talent was just sitting on his master's money. Now, we don't know. It's possible the servant buried it thinking, I'll come back for this at some point and I'll do something with it. But for now, if I have any better ideas on how to multiply my master's money, I'll just bury it. But he lived without any urgency. Look at verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once. He went at once. He went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Same with the servant with the two talents. We got to do it now. You may think you have time, and then one day your wife walks out because you've been taking her for granted. You may think you have time, and there's no urgency in your heart to pursue her heart. One day your kids, you may wake up and they say, shut up, I hate you. Because you've had no urgency in investing in their lives and in their hearts. Get on it, church. We have to live with urgency. When you recognize that tomorrow matters, it'll change the way that we live today. We need to live with a sense of urgency. We don't know how long we have here on this earth. We don't know how long we have with our spouse or with our kids. It could all change in an instant. We need to live with urgency. Amen? Number five, the maintenance assumption. All right. I might step on some toes here, all right? I'm sorry. I'm just going to admit it. Some of us have bought into the lie that faithfulness is maintenance. We bought into the lie that faithfulness is maintenance. Saying, God gave me the gift of salvation, and now I just need to maintain my personal relationship with Jesus until I die. I say, hey, you know, we planted this church mosaic, and, and you know, the, the room is pretty full, and now it's up and running. We just need to maintain the church and make sure everything is just Okay. What did God tell Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Go, therefore, and just maintain the status quo. No, what did he say? Go and be fruitful, multiply. When Jesus went to the cross and he he died and then he rose again and he talked to his disciples, what did he say? Did he say, all right, guys, make sure you just get together every week, sing some songs, remind each other what I taught you, just kind of maintain the way things are. No, he said, go, therefore, make disciples. He translated it, as you are going, make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. He said to multiply, not maintain. Multiply, not maintain. Faithfulness is multiplication, amen? Faithfulness is multiplication. Faithfulness is multiplication. God gave us the gift of salvation, and he expects a return on his investment. That is what Jesus is telling us here. He expects a return on investment. God doesn't want us as a church to just maintain. 
He wants us to multiply, multiply disciples, multiply small groups, multiply churches. We want to be a church that plants churches, that makes a difference. Amen? Faithfulness is multiplication. That is what Jesus is telling us. Number six, the entitlement assumption. See, what is continually taken for granted will eventually be taken away. The servant took for granted the one talent that he was given. And when you read this parable, if you've never read it, you probably think, all right, one guy got five, one guy got two, one guy got one. Uh, he should probably even it out. So take a couple from the five, give it to guy two and one, so they all have the same amount, right? What you take for granted will eventually be taken away. That's what Jesus is telling us. If you continue to take your spouse for granted, you might wake up one day to realize that they are gone. If you take for granted your health, you might wake up one day to realize how you never thank God for a healthy body. If you continuously take your church for granted, your job might lead you to another state and realize how much you took for granted. What did the master say to the servant who didn't think about tomorrow and just hid his investment in the ground? Take away his one talent and give it to the one that didn't take it for granted, the one who had a sense of urgency. Give it to the one who worked what he was given. He owned his responsibility. He didn't forget where, he, where his talent, his money, his abilities came from. Don't you ever forget where your health comes from. Don't you forget where your wealth comes from. Don't you forget where your gifts come from. Don't you ever forget who gave you the intellect and the ability to grow a business. Some of you have assumed possession of God's grace, but you haven't assumed responsibility for how it's supposed to flow in your life. God wants, you to, wants to know how, what are you going to do with the one and only life that you and I have. We recognize that tomorrow matters. It will change the way that we live today. Tomorrow matters. Imagine with me what God could do through our church if we all grew our abilities, if we didn't leave hidden talents hidden in the ground, what an impact we could make on our community. If we took our natural skills and abilities and said, I'm going to continue to grow them, I'm going to be a better teacher, I'm going to grow my abilities on working with my hands so that we're able to you know, uh, go to Mobile Hope and, and do some repairs for them, a local ministry. What ministries are just waiting to be birthed? A cars ministry where we can work on the cars for people who don't have the money to fix them. An arts camp next summer. A sports camp. What ministries are just waiting because you've buried your talents? What if we didn't just assume that we were just here on this life for ourselves we didn't just assume that just because we feel like a one-talent or two-talent person, we can't become a five-talent person. What if we said, no, we can grow our abilities? What if we didn't just assume, well, I'm not good at praying, so I can't pray for anyone? Instead, we said, no, God, I can learn how to pray more. I can read. I can talk to someone. I can grow in that. Maybe you think, I'm terrible at memorizing Scripture. I can't do that. And said, no, I can, I can learn to memorize better. Instead of just saying, ah, I'm terrible at sharing my faith, I'm just going to let my neighbor go to hell. Instead of saying, no, you know what? I can learn how to share what God has done in my life. I can tell my story. I can get to know their story. 
I can show them how God has impacted my story and how he wants to impact his story to find grace and forgiveness and hope and purpose in life. What if we rejected the status quo and said, no, we can all be five talent people. See, here's the thing. Is parables are very open-ended. We don't know that the five-talent guy or the two-talent guy didn't start off as a one-talent guy originally. Maybe the one-talent guy multiplied his into two, and so the next time when the servant was handing out investments, he said, hey, you did a good job. I'm going to give you two this time instead of one. We don't know that. Whatever abilities God has given you, you can grow those abilities. What if as a church we all realize that each one of us is significant? We all have a role to play in the kingdom of God, that we are here to make a difference. We are not here just to go to school, just to get a job, to make some money, and then die. We're here to make a difference. No matter how you view yourself, you are significant. You are significant, amen? What if we refuse to play it safe individually and as a church and we stepped out in a bold move of faith? What if we said, God, we're not gonna just maintain, we are going to multiply. We're gonna em embrace that calling that God wants to do something through us to take the gifts that he has given us, the gift of salvation, the gift of our abilities, and to multiply them to make a difference. What if we let go of a sense of entitlement and lived a life filled with gratitude and thankfulness if we showed up every single Sunday saying, instead, this is not about me. This is about our king. This is about serving him. Saying, I'm not too good for any role. You know what? I'm not too entitled to set up a chair. Come on now. I'm not too entitled to show up early, to greet someone, to not wait for someone to come talk to me no, I'm here waiting to be used by God to make a difference. And I'm not just going to sit on the sidelines. I'm going to get into the game. Amen? Let's let go of a sense of entitlement and say, God, you have blessed me with salvation, with breath, with life, with purpose. I'm going to let go of looking at myself and being entitled and said, God, no, it's about you. It's about your kingdom. It's about what you want to do through me, through our church, through our community. What if we let go of unhealthy assumptions and instead assumed that God wants to use each and every one of us? Amen? Let us let go of unhealthy stuff and receive from God what he wants to do through us. You are here for a purpose. You and I have one life to live. Tomorrow matters. Let's not be so consumed with just what is happening today. Let's invest in the future. Let's invest in our kids Let's invest in those kids out there because someday they will inherit the earth and we are going to hand off what we've done to them. Let us know that our master has entrusted us with great wealth, with great responsibility. And he's waiting for a return on his investment. We're not here just to sit. 
to just consume, but to say, God, how do you want to use me? I'm going to invite the band up. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this parable. God, I pray that we would grow our abilities. God, I pray that we would recognize our significance, that we were to reject this safe and easy path, that we would live with a sense of urgency, that we would know that we are here to multiply and not just maintain, and we let go of a sense of entitlement so that, God, you could do great things through us. And God, as you invest in us, I know, God, that you want to invest more and more. We want to be a conduit you flow blessing through. God, let us live with open hands. Let us ask, God, how can we take what you have given us and give a good return on that investment? How can we make a difference with this one and only life that we have We don't know how long we all have. But God, let us know that tomorrow matters. And so God, help us as we deal with our calendars to leave time for you, as we deal with our checkbooks that we put you first. God, that as we deal with our relationships, our friendships, our parenting, God, that we'd put you first in those areas. Thank you, God. Continue to work on our hearts and our minds this week to know the things we need to make a change in our life. God, we don't want to just be the way we are. We want to change and transform into your likeness. So change us. Make us more like your son, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.